Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, this is Kim Peek. I am your hostess for Power Up Your Performance. I am also the founder of Power of Run. I empower women through movement and help them live their best lives by thinking, feeling, living, and training like champions. I was going to talk to you today about some of the books that I read over the summer, and I'm going to have to put that episode on the back burner because this morning, as I was driving my daughter to school, I saw something that made me think. I was driving to school. My daughter's a freshman in high school, and so she's still not old enough to drive. And so I have to take her to school. And at all of the entrances to this school that is right on the edge of multiple subdivisions, traffic is backed up for at least a block in every direction. And there was this poor girl who was trying to cross the street. And all of the drivers were in their zone just trying to turn so you can get into the parking lot because we all seem to lose our tempers and seem to get impatient and just have no patience at all when it's time to get our kids to school. And so there's this girl who's trying to cross the street and I was just kind of in the same zone as everybody else thinking about, gosh, I just want to get my kid dropped off so I can get on with my day. I had big plans today to meet a friend to work out and I was just kind of, you know, in that zone. And then I noticed that a car who had the right of way stopped so that that girl could get across the street. And I thought, hmm, my car is right here. I'm next to turn. I'm going to stop too so that this poor kid can get across the street. I didn't have to stop and neither did the other person, but the girl crossed the street so that she could safely get on her way to school. And then that made me think that sometimes it only takes one person to pause and see what's going on, and do the right thing. So that car that was coming toward me stopped, and I noticed. And because they were doing the right thing, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. We should all be stopping and doing the right thing too. And it just kind of made me think about how that plays out in social situations. I'm kind of on this topic because we're at the beginning of the school year, and I have a new freshman. And if any of you have, especially girls, you know how hard it is at the beginning of a new school year or when you move to a new city or you start a new school, all those girls are jockeying for social position. And we see mean girls at their finest at the beginning of the school year, it seems like. And so I was kind of thinking of this traffic situation in the context of that. And how you can have a bunch of girls sitting around being catty and mean, but really, it only takes one person to do the right thing, to stand up for the person being picked on and put put it to rest, to get everybody to stop being mean. Because in our hearts, we all know that it's not right to talk about people or to try try to steal your best friend's boyfriend, or try to make sure that 
everybody goes to the dance except for this one person. Oh my gosh, let's talk about that for a second. So one of my daughters was in this situation last year, and I still can't believe that this stuff goes on, people. So my daughter has a group of friends she hangs out with, and this is one of my older daughters, has a group of friends she hangs out with, and they were all going to go to the dance as a group. And they were all going to go to dinner as a group. And one of the boys' parents had made reservations for a certain number of kids to go. And it doesn't really matter what that number was because there was plenty of time to change the reservation and make it for more or less kids. And somewhere this group decided that if you were not going with a date, you were not allowed to go in this group because to them that was just going to be weird. And my thought is you hang out together every single day of the week because you don't have a date that makes you not worthy of sitting at their table in a restaurant when you're all going to the same dance together afterwards anyway. Seems very crazy. I have another mom friend that I know of whose daughter also had something similar happen, except for that the group of friends that they hang out with every day did not approve of the girl's date who went to a different school. Excuse me, again, are we friends with these people? Yes. Then why aren't we acting like friends? This stuff drives me batty. Now, I will just to show the flip side of this. I also thought that there was a really cool group of parents at my daughter's middle school last year. There was an end of eighth grade dance and rather than letting kids feel like they weren't included, they decided that there was going to be a group dinner and all of the boys' parents cooked dinner. And as the group expanded and more people got dates or more people didn't get dates and were going with groups of friends, if you were friends or wanted to be included in this group, you were invited to come. And these parents hosted a big party in their backyard, set up like card tables with tablecloths and cute little lights in the backyard. And all the boy parents made the dinners and then all the parents acted as the servers. And it was like this little enchanted restaurant in a backyard. And so kind of took a detour there, but my whole thought is why can't we be inclusive? Where are these mean girls coming from? Why did we give them so much power? And why are we and our daughters not standing up for what is right? So I did a little bit of research because I'm just so curious. If you have mean girls at your school and these mean girls seem to be the popular girls, who says that they get to be the popular girls? How do they become the popular girls? And why do people put up with this? If these girls are just mean. So I pulled up an article from Psychology Today, and it says they call these mean girls the queen bees. The queen bees prey on the feelings of ineptitude and awkwardness that are common to tweens and early adolescents. These girls seem to be endowed with a natural narcissism that allows them to overcome or perhaps even disavow their own feelings of uncertainty. Queen Bees rely on the insecurity of their charges. Perhaps it's the sense of order and structure these girls bring to the social circle that encourages their fellow peers to fall in line. These girls usually align closest with the peers whom they identify as the most vulnerable. 
This ensures that if another girl within the circle tries to seize a revolt or even an objection, the queen bee's minions who are ready and willing to do as she directs quickly quell her. It is the queen bee's audacity that is probably her strongest trait. She understands that the majority of her peers do not possess the confidence or the callousness to treat others in the way she chooses. That's from a Psychology Today article. But I think it's very interesting because it shows that the girl who's the leader of that clique is very calculated, calculating and manipulative. They understand what they're doing and they get that most of their friends, most of the people in their group don't have the self-confidence to challenge them. And I'm not a psychologist. I don't know these things, but it just seems to me that if the moms would band together and the dads too, but the parents band together to talk to their kids about what it means to be a good friend, that would be a great start. So how does this stuff even work and what, what can we do about it? The, the queen bees, of course, are preying on the fact, counting on the fact that we're all self-conscious and that we're insecure. And the queen bees in particular are also self-conscious and they're insecure. They're afraid that somebody is going to take their place in the social hierarchy. And so how do you make sure that you keep that position? Well, in the case of the queen bee, you spend a lot of time trashing others because putting other people down makes them feel good about themselves. So the fact that if you are one of these people being picked on, it is not you. You are not the problem. It's the queen bee. She is insecure. And I think that's super important to remember is that it's not you. It's somebody else being insecure. And as a result of their insecurity, they are trying to shove you down so that they can't take your place. I also found a bit of research by Sharice Nixon. She is an associate associate professor of developmental psychology at Penn State Erie. And she says that we all want three things. She calls them the ABCs and me. A stands for acceptance. B is belonging. C is control. And we also want for the me, the meaningful existence. Acceptance, belonging, control, and meaningful existence. So if that is what we're all seeking, and this is what the queen bee, the bullies, are trying to accomplish, it kind of gives us some insight into their behavior. So maybe the queen bee is not feeling confident or in control of some part of her life. And so she takes it out on her minions, on these little people that she feels like she can get to do what she wants or she knows she has control over so that she has control over one aspect of her life, which is her social circle. And maybe the meaningful existence comes from knowing that she rules the school. She is popular. Now, in the real world, we know that those kind of people peak in high school, we hope. I know there's always mean women in the workplace too. But for the most part, people who act like that 
and have gotten their power that way, they don't get very far in life. They haven't learned a lot of other social skills that we need to be truly successful in the world and in business and in relationships. So what are some of the things that we can do as parents? I think one of the biggest things that we can do is to lead by example. You know, not, not trash-talking your, your own people in your workplace, not trash-talking your friends, not getting caught up in the gossip when your kids come home and start talking bad about a friend or a competitor in sports. But also, have you ever noticed how much stuff gets dug up by the adults who confide in the kids, who tell kids secrets that probably aren't meant for the kids that they're over, like a coach or a director telling another participant who they think is going to be cast or telling another participant that so-and-so is going to get cut from the team or that so-and-so doesn't have the leadership qualities to be on student council the next year or whatever. I think sometimes we have too many adults confiding in the kids and they're setting a poor example, but they also should be acting like adults and finding their own friends. If you're having to confide in teenagers just to, I don't know, get acceptance. There's something wrong with that. But I guess I'm just saying, you know, stand up for those who are being bullied. Don't participate in the bullying. Have the courage to stop the conversation or the behavior. I know that's really hard, but you could even say something like, you know, I've really been thinking about this and I just don't feel comfortable gossiping. I've really been working hard on not gossiping. Or no, she's a really good friend of mine. That hurts me that you would say that about her. Or really, why why would you want to do that to so-and-so? She's a good friend of ours. And and even if somebody isn't friends with you, maybe they're making fun of the kids eating lunch alone in the lunchroom. I wish I had this pulled up, but I remember seeing a study. I think it was even a high school girl who did it for the first time. Anyway, it was research about the power of just by one popular kid or one person who has that social status going and sitting by the kid who is alone and is bullied and ostracized, it elevates their social status and the other people don't treat them as poorly. Wouldn't that be awesome if all of us and all of our kids had the confidence to be that one person who would stand up and do what's right. I really have to believe that if more of us would stand up and do the right thing, that others would follow because we all know in our hearts, I don't believe the world is evil. I do believe that most of us are full of goodness. And I just have to believe that people would follow if they saw the good example. This episode is brought to you by me. Coach Kim, if you would like to run your first 5K, half marathon, marathon, or triathlon this year, give me a call. Send me an email. Let's talk. I work with people of all ability levels, and I am here to tell you, you deserve to have a coach. It is not just for elite athletes. I can work with you one-on-one 
or you can look at one of my group coaching programs. But if you want somebody who can cheer you on, check in with you weekly, track your progress, help you through those tough points and help you make the decisions that are involved with training, give me a call, send me an email. Let's do a FaceTime or a Zoom call and let's see if having a coach would be right for you. Why do we feel like we gain stature by tearing others down? Oftentimes it's because we want the attention. We're insecure. We live in this society with a culture that perpetuates girls and women's insecurity. And we all just want to belong. But we should not want to belong at the expense of being a good person. So I talked a little bit about watching our mouths, watching who we're talking about, watching the gossip. I I think we could really go a long way if we would practice gratitude and talk about things more often and more exciting than talking about people, talking about our travels and hobbies and ideas and music and art and whatever makes us happy. There's so much more joy in that than ripping on, bashing our friends. Now, I did want to talk a little bit about some things that I have found in some of my summer reading because I was already starting along this path for today's podcast. And I think some of these things tie directly into this. One book that I read this summer that I loved is a brand new book out by two-time Olympian Kara Goucher. It is called Strong, A Runner's Guide to Boosting Confidence and Becoming the Best Version of You. And even if you're not a runner, even if you're not an athlete of any kind, the lessons in Kara's book are phenomenal. I would recommend it for grown women and for athletes, but also for anybody who has teenage girls. One of the things that Kara suggests that we do And this is not, this aspect is not unique to Kara because there are other high level athletes that do this too. But she suggests that you create a confidence journal. And your confidence journal, or maybe it's something you have your daughter do, or maybe you each keep the journal and you go over it once a week and share what you feel comfortable talking about. But the confidence journal is just a notebook that is private, kind of like a diary, but you're writing different kinds of things in it. And you're focusing on things like, how did I feel today? What went right today? What did I not feel so good about? And what did I do about it? What can I do next time to improve that? So at the beginning of the year, I did with my clients a thing in January. Rather than setting New Year's resolutions, I called it, what's your word? And I had them each select a word that would kind of guide them throughout the year. So it's not necessarily a New Year's resolution, but it was a word that would they would refer back to as they made decisions. So my word was champion. And that is kind of where this podcast came from because I was talking about thinking, feeling, living, and training like a champion. Taking on studying who are champions, how are they made, What are their behaviors? What do they do every day that makes them champions? And so 
kind of got on this kick at the beginning of the year. And then I was also thinking that champion had a, a double meaning because it also meant being a champion for other people, supporting other people, or maybe supporting the underdog. And so I really like what Kara's book has to say here. And I'm going to read you just a few things from her book that I think go right along the lines of the positive self-talk that I've been kind of preaching all year with my clients and also in some of my podcasts. In her book, she says, what we say to ourselves has an incredible impact. The happiest, most successful athletes are purposeful, purposeful with their inner dialogue. They harness thoughts to work for them instead of against them through all kinds of circumstances. These athletes have learned to incorporate the use of positive, realistic self-talk to help motivate and drive their performance. Anyone can change their thoughts and have control over the things they say to themselves. My first piece of advice to athletes is to simply listen and observe what's going on above the neck. What are you saying to yourself most often? Is it positive and encouraging, such as, I'm doing amazing, or this is all it takes, Or are your thoughts self-defeating, such as, there's no way I can hit these paces? Positive in and positive out. All right, that's the end of the quote from the book. And my take on this is that this right here is a great exercise that we as women can do and we can do with our daughters, making it a point to fill our minds with positive thoughts not only about ourselves every day and our families, but our friends. We need to build our own confidence so that we don't feel the need to tear other people down to feel better. Because doesn't it feel better to feel good about something you accomplished or something you thought or something you came up with than to feel good because you're tearing people down? I mean, if you're spending time tearing people down and, you know, you don't really think much of these people that you're hanging out with, what the heck are you hanging out with them for? It doesn't make any sense. The only way that we can excel and we can rise as champions is to fill our minds with positive thoughts and to surround ourselves with people who lift us up and help us aspire to bigger things. So Kara does have a couple of exercises related to this in the same section. She says, changing your inner voice is a process. Here are some effective strategies to help improve your self-talk and set yourself free from negativity. Number one, replace or reframe an idea about yourself, your ability, or of a situation. For example, instead of telling yourself you're not good at running hills, tell yourself you get stronger with every hill you run. Own your vulnerabilities and triggers and attack them. Number two, write down positive statements about you and your abilities and state them confidently to yourself. With enough practice and repetition, these thoughts will become dominant and replace the baseless negativity that hinders you. And number three, be your own fangirl. Really, talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend or to an athlete you admire. All right, that's the end of the next page of Kara's book, which is all I'm going to read to you because I really want you to buy this book. And I think it's fabulous. And it is such a great investment, especially for athletes and women and teenage girls. 
But I want to go back to this thing about writing down positive statements about you and your abilities and stating them confidently to yourself. This is something that belongs in your journal, but it also would be a great thing to put on note cards or sticky notes on your mirror or on your steering wheel or on the refrigerator door, someplace where you will see them every day. These things that we say to ourselves, you say it enough and you begin to believe it. And there is research that shows that our thoughts create our realities. And if you believe yourself doing capable, and if you believe, can visualize yourself doing something, you are that much closer to being able to achieve it. So write down those positive statements, repeat them to yourself, believe them, tell yourself you're a great singer while also practicing and working with a voice coach or your choir teacher. Tell yourself you're an excellent sprinter while working with your strength coach and your sprinting coach. Tell yourself you're a great actress while also doing the work. Do the work, but keep on repeating to yourself until you believe and have the confidence you need. I think that when we do this kind of stuff, when we do this kind of self-work, we work on our own confidence, that that is part of what we need to stand up to these bullies. Because what power does the bully have over you when you stop believing the negative things that they say? Or what power does the bully have over you when you no longer believe that it matters if they are your friend. If you lose them as a friend, who cares, right? Another book that I've been reading this summer is called Craft a Life You Love, Infusing Creativity, Fun, and Intention into Your Everyday by Amy Tangerine. And I wanted to read a page from her book. It's a story called Feeding the Good Wolf. And I believe that this is something that is beneficial to women and adolescents and our, our girls to help us fuel that fire within us, help us feed those good thoughts in our brains so that we don't care what these queen bees have to say. And we don't feel like we've lost anything if they drop us. So we have the courage actually to walk away from those mean people and do our own thing. So this one from Amy Tangerine's book, Craft a Life You Love, says, a dear friend recently shared an old Cherokee legend with me called The Two Wolves. In the legend, a grandfather tells his grandson about a fight going on inside all of us, as if it were between two wolves. One wolf is evil. He has anger, envy, resentment, inferiority, and lies. The other is good. He has joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, goodness, and truth. The grandson thinks about this for a minute and then asks, which wolf will win? The grandfather's reply comes quickly. The one you feed. Amy says, I love this story because it reminds me that you are the creator of your own happiness. If you want to live your best life, it is clear which wolf you should feed. Feed the wolf that believes you are amazing and inspiring and creative. That wolf needs to be stronger than the wolf that believes you are lazy, jealous, and dull. Self-confidence needs to be stronger than self-doubt. Motivation needs to be more powerful than discouragement. And love needs to be more powerful than apathy. And then a few paragraphs later, she says to herself, or she says, 
The words that you speak to yourself are powerful. When your brain says, I cannot dance, it sends signals to your body, making it clumsier. These negative thoughts also create negative emotions, giving you less confidence. Here is the good news. This feedback loop works both ways. When your brain says something positive, such as, I think I'm going to make a breakthrough soon, you are much more likely to take a step forward toward your goal. Consider how this affects your creative spirit. When you think your hobbies are silly or less important than all other things on your plate, which wolf are you feeding? You are feeding the wolf that says you and your interests are not worthy of time. You give power to the evil wolf, which becomes stronger and stronger and eventually defeats the good wolf. You are the master of these wolves. You are the creator of your own happiness. You get to decide which wolf wins by choosing which voices to listen to and which to proactively battle. Choose to focus on the good and let go of the bad. Keep in mind that each thought we have inside actually creates a flow of energy around us. It's important that we manifest the positive and productive thoughts. I'm just kind of getting into that book, but I do like the direction it's going. I like the thoughts about feeding the good wolf. And on that note, I am going to close out this episode. I am going to also add a little worksheet for you that has some resources that list the names of these books and also has a couple of little journal prompts in it. So if you'd like to get that, go to my website, crushingmygoals.com and click on the tab that says blog and it will be in the blog post for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I do believe that we all have the power to create the futures we want and that if we all take a moment to pause and notice what's going on around us and stand up for what is right, I do believe that those people around us, that we are surrounded by people with good hearts and that if you finally get the courage to stand up for what is right, that other people will follow you. And we can help not just ourselves, but our children have happier times in school and in life when we don't let these bullies and queen bees run the show. So thank you for joining me and have a great week. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run. And you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe as a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week, and I will catch you next Tuesday.